Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, go to PCAPaintEd.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all you non-members out there, sign up for our free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the Apple Store and Google Play. In today's podcast, we feature an episode from Ask a Painter Live with Nick Slavic. In this episode, Nick demonstrates his standard of procedures for metal siding and trim, as well as coating, selection, prep, and application. I am Nick Slavic. I'm the proprietor of the Nick Slavic Painting and Restoration Company. I'm also the host of this show, Ask a Painter Live. It is a weekly live Facebook show where I use my almost three decades of experience as a master craftsperson and a paint business entrepreneur to sort of showcase the life of, of what we do here. Uh, talk about painting, talk about the business side and everything else in between. So um, today, Thursday show, because we had to time out commercial metal building to showcase my SOP weather, wind, everything like that. I wanted to make sure the lighting and everything was perfect. So we are here on a commercial metal building and in the upper Midwest, uh, buildings like this are very, very typical. We call these pole barns, tin sheds, uh, commercial buildings, but they all have corrugated pre-finished siding. And when we end up doing commercial finishes or agricultural buildings, we do this. So with my partners at Sherwin-Williams, which we all know and love, uh, they asked me to show you guys how to use some of their pro-industrial products on stuff like this. And over 30 years, I've developed a super simple system of painting these. And not only do you get great adhesion, there's a great production rate, it's super straightforward, it's a two-coat process, it's a profitable system that delivers a beautiful, beautiful finish, uh, maximum value to the client, and it's a blast to do. I mean. This is, uh, you know, I love doing beautiful, intricate cabinetry, super high-end finishes, uh, crazy historic finishes too, but it's also nice once in a while to just knock out beautiful spray finish on thousands of square feet of commercial metal siding and tin stuff during the day too. So uh, let's take a look here. Ah, love it. Hammer Temple. Good to see you, man. All right, everybody. Okay, so thank you to Sherwin-Williams for underwriting this show. We have a whole series of shows where they basically... Uh, say they use my SOPs, they use the systems, they use my coding processes, and we showcase different um, uh, coatings throughout the year. So uh, yeah, you guys saw the uh, exterior one that we did earlier on. We're gonna do some commercial stuff. We're taking a deep dive with many more shows spread out through the rest of the year. So buckle up for that. As always guys, uh, we can talk about anything you want to. We can talk about production rates. We can talk about hiring. We can talk about oil primer. But today first, we are gonna hit on some commercial metal buildings, pole barns tin sheds, uh, pre-finished metal siding, corrugated steel, things like that. Um, my philosophy over the years, and I've done all this stuff, is I want to provide uh, maximum value, lowest price, but also a profitable project. And the, the middle ground that I've found is a two-coat system over all this stuff. Now, those two co coats can vary between primer and top coat or two top coat, but we start with scratch test, which I'll get into a little bit to determine what coating system it is. Now, there are other uh, Sherwin-Williams coating systems that I would consider like Ultra Cadillac, um, Rolls-Royce systems of a three-coat process. And uh, those were great too. But the thing is, 
just because you do more coats, just because you charge more, doesn't mean that you're ever gonna sell one, doesn't mean that you're gonna provide max value. Sometimes these buildings are 30, 40, 50, 60 years old and a farmer just wants them to look nice because they take a lot of pride in their farm or a business owner wants the side of their commercial building to look nice and you just have to provide maximum value. It may not be a 70 year solution, uh, but you're gonna get 10 to 20 years out of a finish like this uh, with great adhesion. So, all right, everybody. Number one, when we talk about uh, commercial metal buildings, pole barns, uh, corrugated steel, things like that, we gotta talk about adhesion because a lot of this stuff comes with a factory finish and you can see on this building here, it's actually in good shape. We're just doing a color change. So that presents a different situation. Um, the more, adhesion is gonna be the main factor which we go after here. As you can see, it's still got some shine on it here. Um, when a building is sunblasted, chalky, um, it's got some grit to it, uh, the, the finish is, is uh, uh, eroded, as long as you get the chalk off and, and, and prep it so there's no loose uh, uh, coatings, powder, things like that on it, it's actually better like that because a new coating or a new coating system will stick to it better. So when we have a building like this, adhesion is paramount because there's lots of things that'll look beautiful on this, but you gotta make sure they actually stick. So the prep process for everything that we do, it's a standard, standard process. No matter if it's like this, no matter if it's chalky or old, what we definitely do is we wanna wash, we wanna scrub, and sometimes we'll even use a little bit of surfactant, that fancy word for soap. The, the key with these buildings, um, we basically have two kind of thoughts as we set a crew up for one of these. If it's a building like this that's in really good condition and we're going for a color change, basically what we wanna do is knock off all the cobwebs, the dirt, debris, and everything around there. Um, we're really not, there's no chalk on this building. You know, there might be, as you get to the top, uh, there might be a little black powdery mildew, but that stuff will come off with just a standard pressure washer. You don't need any fancy chemicals or soaps or surfactants and things like that. Um, so with a building like this, it's more of getting the debris. And for anybody who's ever done a building like this, you know that there's, you know, there's dust, there's things, there's a pine needle that sticks in there. And when you take a sprayer with two to 3000 PSI and put it in there, that stuff will let itself be known. And uh, you don't want that because that would get into the finish and kind of uh, make it not so great. So um, with a building like this, we're going for definite wash, possible scrub. We're probably not going to use any soap unless we get into some really thick, um, you know, powdery mildew on the backside. But on this one, there's not. Now, the other situation is 40 by 120 foot monster agricultural building. It was white or it was kind of a cream color years ago, blasted by the sun over 40, 50 years, and it's just chalky to beat heck. You wipe your finger on it and it's just covered with chalk. The solution for that is you need to agitate that chalk to get it off. Power washers alone will, will most often not solve that stuff. So you can even take turbo nozzle, wobble tip, 4,000, 5,000 PSI, eight gallons per minute, and you're not gonna get all that chalk off. It's very picky stuff. But if you take a somewhere between like a 12 or an 18 inch soft nylon brush, sometimes even a uh, push broom, that's got a little soft, you don't want uh, nylon bristles too rigid, uh, and get a little soap in there too, uh, when you have like a downstream or something, if, if all you do is going up and a down with that, with a little bit of water on it, you'll actually remove most of the chalk. The chalk comes off insanely easy, at least in the upper Midwest, with kind of an up and a down here. Uh, Justin Fry saying TSP, absolutely too. Now, when we're doing a, uh, TSP is a really good one. It's a little, it's a little more powerful than standard soap. When we're doing like a 120 foot long by 40 agricultural building and we're doing roof and walls and everything, we need cheap and plentiful. So 
we'll go down and either get like simple green or like gallon jugs of Dawn dish soap or something and use that as a mix. Liquid TSP can get a pretty spendy when you're doing 120 foot long, you know, 8,000, 10,000 square foot total siding building like that. So yeah, um, yeah, so wash. Like I said, recap, two scenarios. It's either a building that doesn't have chalk or has chalk. If it doesn't have chalk, you're looking to get the debris off, you're looking to get any other little contaminants, powdery mildew off. If it does have chalk, you really gotta kinda agitate it in, uh, in, in, in my world. We've, we've tried lots of hot chemicals. Yes, you can mix up a crazy hot batch of, of a soft wash mixture and it'll take it off. But also, we want something readily available. We don't want any to add any more variables. I found a little bit of soap and a little bit of scrubbing goes a very long way with all that stuff. At least in my company, that's how we prefer to do it. So, um, yeah, once it's all uh, washed and dry, they dry very quickly because obviously this is not uh, permeable and the water uh, comes off right away. You can start prepping. Before I get into the prep process, let's take a look at the comments. We got lots of people watching, lots of people commenting here. So, uh, Justin Fry, my friend, Hammer Temple. Oh, Mark Blackers, how's it going, man? We uh, we email often. John Malinkovich, how's it going? Or Milkovich, sorry, buddy. Uh, good afternoon from Pennsylvania, Jesse. Good friend, Jesse. Uh, Hammer Temple, I have a metal siding job. I was going to wash, uh, then duration with a Malsa bond. Uh, it's in good shape. So one of the things I'm going to talk about is uh, Sherwin-Williams uh, asked me to highlight uh, the pro-industrial side of their coatings. And I have kind of three options, uh, give or take. We have like the uh, duration. I, I use duration on these a lot too. Duration sticks uh, to a lot of this stuff really, really well. And I actually have a scratch test there for you. Uh, Pro-Industrial, the DTM, direct to metal. I like the acrylic, the semi-gloss, like that. But then they also have, you, you can you can get pretty crazy and go like a chemchromic, you can go uh, another bonding primer and then do like a Surecryl HPA too, which is like top of the line, kind of high science sort of coating. And they're all great. Uh, but today I wanted to show you kind of like my middle of the line uh, to high end uh, offering, which is a two coat system of a industrial metal finish on this sort of stuff. So yeah, lots of good options out there. Sean Davis, how's it going? Uh, oh, Danilo, Borgia, my friend. Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, Jesse Allen, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate that. Chris, Austin Schumacher, will this SOP apply to residential aluminum siding? Yes, I love that you mentioned that too because residential aluminum or steel siding, same exact process, same uh, prep process and everything. The thinking is it's either going for a quick color change uh, and there's nothing on it but debris or there's chalk on it, you do the exact same thing. This whole process, coating system prep and everything can be used the exact same way. So great, great clarification. Uh, da, 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 da. Yes, Jesse Allen. I will show you guys. I got a, a, a mocked up section of this stuff done here. So it's just beautiful. Uh, All right, everybody. So um, after we have a building washed and prepped and ready to go, we also want to go through you know the standard prep process. So uh, one of the things I want to show you guys here is obviously standard sort of when we spray, we do a lot of masking on everything here. So completely seal everything off. I'm not one of those guys who tries to get by with minimum uh, masking, minimum prep, things like that. I really like to go. When the wind kicks up, you don't want any of this overspray touching any of this stuff like that. Uh, obviously when we have um, fixtures like this, utility, uh, utility boxes, um, a lot of people like to mask these off and leave them be. I have no, in my opinion, there's no reason to let these be an accent on the side of a building. I like to make these things disappear. So the glass, the meter part, the reader part uh, gets covered. Everything else is covered with that and makes it blend into the, uh, the wall there. So the next bit of prep is right here. And I'm gonna pull that drop cloth there. Okay, 
so we have our building here and this uh, this building actually has a saw uh, excuse me a wainscot on it so it's gonna be two colors now we're we're given a pretty good uh, situation here where there's not a lot of crazy bushes and debris and things just rocks and there's actually enough uh, lip here where we can actually stick some hard prep underneath it before we do the soft prep back here I like to lay down all my canvas you know so overspray doesn't settle on any of the landscaping and then I just like to take um, this happens to be cardboard, but what we do a lot too is use like Trimaco floor shell, you know, that thicker cardboard. And we actually cut it into three or four foot strips and we got big stacks of them and we can either shove them above gutters, we can put them down here like this. And it's an amazing solution for this. This will keep your drop cloths dry uh, and, and clean. But the biggest part is if you take a sprayer with 3000 PSI and bring that wand down here, it'll puff your drop cloth back and then you'll get overspray on stuff below. So this will actually hold the drop cloths down uh, and then keep it clean like that for you. So that is a wonderful way. And typically when I spray these things, we'll get into the application in a little bit, watch you do a little spray demo. But I usually have a spray apprentice with me moving ladders and then moving this prep or either prepping ahead of me there so one person can keep spraying. You never wanna stop the sprayer. So um, basic prep like that, then we're ready to go with kind of coating selection. So I'm gonna move my uh, camera here. Give me just a second. Move that a little closer. Setting up for the next shot here, guys. Okay, so we have, we have our scratch test. People love this sort of stuff. Uh, this is a very intuitive, uh, straightforward process of checking adhesion on your, on your different projects. So um, on this particular project, this, uh, this building, like I said, is in very good condition. So what I normally do on wash day, we'll wash, and then the second some of the sidings dry, we'll come after that wash and do little sections of prep like this. And I just typically just brush it on. Uh, a lot of people like to tape these off in sections like this. I do not do that because you're leaving sharp ridges that have to be sanded out or they will be noticeable later. So I actually think it looks a little more informal with brush strokes and kind of the feathered edge here but you can spray right over this and this goes away. There's no trace of this after. So you can see uh, I label all this stuff. And when we do scratch tests, the standard operating procedure for my company is to not only label them, take images of them, but when we do the scratch test, we video it and we upload it to the Google Drive for every single job so that we have proof that they were done. And if there's ever an issue uh, with the coding or ever a concern with it, we actually have video proof that we've gone through the process like that. One quick request before we go any farther here. Uh, everybody, do me a huge favor. Uh, like and follow uh, the Ask a Painter live show. Give me a recommendation if you would too. We don't do reviews on Facebook pages anymore. They're recommendations. So a five-star review is just like a recommendation. And also right now, please, everybody, hit the share button and share this show. Also, there's this weird thing I'm sure you're seeing at the bottom there called stars. And I believe it's Facebook's way of monetizing this stuff. Now. I have no interest in making any money off that stuff. People are sending stars like crazy left and right in all my other shows. I can promise you guys this. If you send these things called stars, I will accumulate enough. When they get to a certain point, they will be monetized. And I'm going to find some way to give them back in some weird, creative way to you guys. So like the show, follow the show, um, share it right now if you would. And if you want to send a star, it's coming back to the Ask a Painter Live community in that way. So Brady Davis, how's it going, man? Master Craftsman Brady Davis, one of our own people here watching. Uh, Brady, it's likely you might be on here too. So a little little foreshadowing uh, to what might be in your future. So label, video, we have Sherwin-Williams DTM bonding primer, direct to metal bonding primer. 
We have Sherwin-Williams Direct-to-Metal Semi-Gloss Acrylic. The oils are great, everybody, but if we're all being honest, there's not going to be more oils in the future. So I'm already planning if everything that we can use acrylic or water-based, we are. And honestly, I've been using the acrylic uh, DTM for 10, 15 years. Phenomenal product and the finish is beautiful, which I'll show you in a second. And also for your guys' sake, I actually put up a thing of duration too, because one of the offerings I give people is, you know, the two coat system. Sometimes, and especially with supply chain stuff now, um, we have to select these. We do multiple of these because sometimes we don't know what's going to be available. It might be a combination of DTM and true uh, and duration, DTM and, uh, excuse me, bonding primer and DTM. It might be two DTMs, uh, straight finish coats. So it's one of those things where we plan for a lot of different things. So if we actually run out of a product or we're having trouble getting the quantity we need like this, we can actually trigger something else and do that. So what we have here, Sherwin-Williams DTM bonding primer, scratch test. When we put this stuff on, I should say this before I start scratching. My preference is to do it obviously after wash, leave it, leave it be uh, overnight and then scratch it the next day. So Justin Fry, I got a solution for you right here. So uh, there's about six options I use in my company uh, for the first coat on, on metal stuff here. And uh, if we don't get to it uh, during the show here, you can email me always and I can give you my top six uh, if you like for that sort of thing. So uh, scratch test. I do fingernail. If you take a sharp metal object, you're going to scratch this off. You can scratch this off, the pre-finished stuff with a sharp metal thing. In all my years, letting it dry overnight and doing a fingernail scratch test, I have never had a failure if it passes that fingernail scratch test. So that's been a universal truth in my life. It's the final arbiter of a coating is going to stick. You guys have seen me do this to everything. Golden oak, uh, metal plastic, vinyl, clad stuff, all sorts of things. And it is a great process. Uh, DTM acrylic semi-gloss. It does a really good job too, but it had to wait longer for the scratch test. So there's just a couple weird little areas where it's still kind of tacky. And I think it's gonna pass. It passes my standard, but when DTM bonding primer does this, this is really good too here. So um, phenomenal product. Uh, DTM semi-gloss uh, acrylic passed the scratch test as well too. And duration, duration passed that test too. So now I go into a job knowing belt and suspenders that we're gonna get something to stick. So we have three products that stick. So again, going into this, we have that knowledge, we have that science. This would have been videoed, uploaded to the Google Drive, and we move on from there. So all right, let's see what else we got. I don't wanna skip by any of these awesome comments until we go farther. All right, so. Uh, basically, after that, we do our coating selection. And, uh, you know, based on that, we talk to our rep, we talk to our store, what can we get, what's the timeline, and then we deliver it on site. And how I like to apply, um, like I said, have an apprentice, you have a whole bunch of ladders or a lift, you have all the prep done, and obviously the roof first. And then I like to work from the back of the project up to the front of the project so you end kind of near, you know, where your truck is or where your van is, things like that. Uh, obviously with commercial projects, there's going to be other things. It's going to be customers. It's going to be deliveries. It's going to be other things you have to work around. But on a building like this, we're going to have carte blanche. We can start wherever we want. So I just go to the back, start working my way to the front, uh, just in case the client doesn't like the color or there needs to be adjustment or a process or something. We're starting in the back. So it's not mission critical. You're not doing right around the front door, uh, first date, just in case. So yeah, after that, all the prep is done. The coding selection is done application let's go over here and i'll reset for another shot real quick all right so you can see 
Let's straighten this out here. So you can see here that we have a finished area. You can see the beautiful finish on this stuff. Since DTM semi-gloss acrylic passed the scratch test, I went and did a section so you guys can see the beauty of uh, a beautifully applied DTM finish. Um, now, prep on this section is already done. When we have everything going, I like to use a standard airless sprayer. If, uh, if you've got a two-gun setup, obviously you're going to need a little more horsepower. You get a larger unit, something that can handle it for the gallons per minute. Uh, typically, what I like to do is use um, not, a, not a crazy spray extension. You know, you would think that uh, the, more, the more reach you have, it's better here. But a lot of the times, uh, the longer extensions, anything over about 12, 14, 16 inches can cause some problems where... You actually get too close to the building. It's, it's, not, uh, it's not good on a ladder if you're doing that. Now, if we're doing roofs up top, I like to use two options. You don't want to be standing there with a gun leaning over all day. That is not good for you. It's not good for the building. So what I like to do is either use uh, a two-foot plus or uh, if you have one around, one of those kind of like five-foot wands like that. Sometimes there's a spray roller attachment. You take off the spray roller attachment. It's got a swivel head, and then you can just kind of stand up and it, it's very sturdy. You hold the gun with one and you put your hand on the, uh, on the lance and then you can basically just stand right up and down like that and you're not hunched over or hurting your back all day. But having, having a longer thing where you can get within 12 inches of the siding from a standing position is very important. But I kind of like a medium range. This is about the longest extension that I would use on just siding and stuff like that. Uh, most of the time I end up finding myself with like a six to eight inch, uh, probably no more than a nine, give or take like that. It just seems to be more versatile. With tip size, honestly, the tip size for me has more to do with the environment uh, with a project like this than it does the actual coating in the building. I've sprayed buildings like this with a 310. I've sprayed buildings with a 410. I've done it with a 517. I've done it with a 1221. It really depends on the environment for me. If you have a 100% still day and you don't have some crazy corrugation on the metal, I would go 1221. I'd get a big old pump. I'd knock that thing out and you get a big old fan pattern, 18 to 24 inches, something like that. The problem is with a big fan pattern like that is uh, you're going to be spraying at an angle like this from that tip and you're going to miss the backside of these corrugations. So give or take, give or take, the best thing you can do is kind of like three is going to be pretty small. You're going to have to make two passes up and down. If you can get something like a, you know, a, a four... A four would be a really good one. That would probably get you most of the way. A five would let you be able to basically do an entire pass on one of these um, on one of these pieces of corrugated metal. Um, the orifice size, um, probably no less than a 10. 10 would be real light. You really want to pump out some um, paint on stuff like this. Um, but 17 gets, gets pretty big too. So you got to be careful that you're not putting too much because on a humid day or a still day, if you over apply, it could sag. So dream world. Um, I tend to, I, I tend to go, you know, if you have your choice, 415, 413, somewhere right in there is, is usually about ideal, the middle ground. Um, if it's really hot, if it's really windy and you're really booking, I tend to have a smaller tip, hold it closer to the siding and just move my hand faster than the transfer efficiency. The actual paint is getting there. If it's a still day, you can take that old 1221, you can back up and you can lay down this beautiful, beautiful 12 to 18, 20 inch fan pattern, things like that. Obviously on a windy and hot day and things like that, that that's all going to be a disaster between the spray gun and there. So it really, like I said, to me, it matters more on the environment than it almost does the coating. But 
us Mastercrafts people, we all know that some coatings, some sprayers, and some things just like what they like. And when you find that perfect sort of like spray tip, everything goes beautiful. That The ends fan out just a little bit, just a little puff on the edge, no hard lines. It covers perfectly in the middle. You can move your wand as fast as you can and it covers beautifully. It's not over applying, it's not under applying, and some things just work. So based on like the 14 variables that you take into account when picking a spray tip and an extension, when you get all those dialed in, it is a thing of beauty. So I absolutely love it here. So, um, and yeah, somebody was commenting on my uh, TR2 tip here. I am an old school holdout and I got me a collection of these suckers. They are few and far between and um, they are rare. You can't hardly find them anymore, but I have a whole bunch of line markings. I have fine finish ones. I got the standards. I got all sorts of stuff uh, with those and I love them. Uh, these old TR2s like this, uh, they have a fan pattern and there are actually two spray tips in one. You can switch them and this will actually be a pencil. And a lot of the times uh, with uh, Sherwin-Williams Pro Industrial line, hot tip for all you people who do like, uh, you know, Walmarts, Amazons, things like that. These things work beautiful. You can either get like a 110 tip or you can have a fan pattern here. You could move this. This could give you a, uh, yeah, this is about a, let's see, for this one, it's a little thinner. Uh, we did a 313 on this one. Uh, this ends up being about a, a 113, about a 213, give or take. It's a narrow version of that. So if you're spraying expanded metal joists and things like that, the roof deck can be sprayed with the fan and all the little pencil, all the rebar joists and stuff can be sprayed with the uh, with the pencil side like that. So great tip when you're up on a lift and you don't have to change. And also transfer efficiency is really good too. You're not just taking a, a 210 and trying to do a huge roof deck and you're not trying to spray a tiny little pencil rebar with a 310 and you're wasting five inches of the spray pattern. So yeah, that's typically how we do it. Now, when we do uh, the actual application, I love to start with the roof, obviously. Then we start in the back and then we work our way forward. Just hardest to easiest things like that um working at a very good pace uh is is a very important thing because uh as you guys know uh keeping a wet edge is very important it's the principle of painting if you do the top half of this wall and there's no break and you come back and do the bottom half you're going to give yourself a crazy lap mark and some shine difference possibly even color difference halfway through so um yeah after that keep a wet edge i like when we're using ladders on buildings like this uh, obviously our preference is lift but when we're using ladders, having that spray apprentice set up two ladders in front of you, even handing off the uh, sprayer, uh, spray wand to them so they can do it while you're moving the ladder and you almost leapfrog each other is a very, very important thing. So, um, yeah, let's see what we got here. Uh, ordered two online today. Gustavo, I love it, man. All right. So, all right, guys, I think it's time to spray. And then we'll see if we got any questions. And then we, we'll call it a week. So, all right, we got our fan pattern here. And so I can talk to you. I'm gonna leave my respirator off. I'm just gonna spray a little bottom section of this wainscot here. And then yeah, we'll rock and roll here, everybody. There we go. Simple as that, folks. So um, I'm gonna show you the top section here. Um, simple back and forth, up and down, keeps the uh, overspray uh, to a minimum there. And this is the finished product. This is what you get uh, with a beautiful DTM like this. So um, absolutely beautiful. Uh, somebody commented before that it holds out color very well. Absolutely. And uh, I like to spec the semi-gloss finish here. It is just absolutely beautiful. When you stand back and look at a shed like this, absolutely unbelievable. So yeah. 
but that's what you have. And uh, yeah, so this shed, um, nice little test section here, but this is what we have to look forward to. Uh, special thing about this one, we're actually going to do a deeper uh, cream color on the bottom, so it's going to look super sharp. So, all right, let's see if we got any more questions. Oh man, I appreciate all you guys watching here. So yeah, Gustavo, yeah, a lover of the TR2. Uh, Gustavo, I think you should be the one to start a Facebook group for the uh, lovers of the TR2 tips like that. There, it would be a small group, but it would be a devoted group for sure. So uh, still hold out. So, all right, everybody. Hey, I appreciate every watching, uh, everybody watching here. Um, <clears throat> I put a link in, in the show notes here. Uh, if you want any of these coatings, uh, they're all available through that link. I put a link to the DTM so you could find it. Uh, the link for the Pro Industrial uh, was there too, but uh, that's the gateway to all the other Pro Industrial coatings from Sherwin. Um, beautiful, beautiful stuff. And uh, right now, uh, you, it's a plentiful supply up in my area. And uh, yeah, we got this on a couple hours notice uh, this last week, give or take. So it's uh, yeah, wonderful product to work with. Uh, covers wonderfully and yeah, just beautiful, beautiful product. Um, the PCA, uh, this is the first announcement I've ever made of this, but there are PCA gathering groups happening all over the US. Uh, my good friend Jason Paris and I, fellow paint business owner, fellow painter, we started a group up here in Minnesota called the Gathering of Minnesota Painters. And that spurred on about six or eight other groups around the country of these informal gatherings where there's no meeting minutes, there's no dues, uh, usually uh, there's large sponsors like Sherwin-Williams that underwrite a gathering place and a lunch and a get-together. We've had them at breweries and brew pubs and all this other stuff like that, and uh, we've had an absolute blast with it. There's about 300 painters in the Minnesota group, and we can get between 20 and 40 of them together four times a year to sort of uh, share in what we do uh, with the craft. And the last gathering we had, the main topic of it was mental health and, uh, you know, keeping your sanity and lowering stress and, and making sure we have good uh, family work-life balance and things like that. And uh, that we're getting together and devoting the entire time to something like that is very meaningful and uh, it's an awesome thing. So, um, yeah, but there's, uh, there's a link down in the show notes here. If you want to see if there's a gathering group near you or if you want to start a gathering group, um, there's instructions there too. The PCA, uh, uh, with Jason and my help, we actually put out a one sheet guide exactly how we started our group. So if you want to start a group in your area, it's as easy as that. Also, you have the full support of myself and Jason Paris and the rest of the PCA. If you want to, if you want to get some people together, we'll tell you exactly how we got the Facebook group going exactly how to get somebody to underwrite a gathering for you. And then I've even kicked off a few of these groups where uh, either virtually or in person, I show up and we get the first gathering going together. And uh, we do a little master's class, we do a little uh, get together after, and it's an amazing time. Um, master's classes all over the country. Um, we got a couple on the books. There's about six more that are coming around uh, your way. And I'm also going to a whole bunch of pro shows, business building days, expos, things like that. So look not only just in my master's class page, but look in the um, uh, PCA events thing and you're gonna find a whole bunch of shows, uh, uh, gatherings uh, and get togethers, uh, especially from Sherwin Williams. Uh, I've been going to a lot of pro shows, a lot of business expos, a lot of business building events and it's, uh, and it's awesome. So, oh, Hammer Temple. I definitely wanna get a group going in Oregon. Oregon, sorry, yes. You can start with the Gathering of Oregon Painters. So uh, it's kind of funny. In, in Minnesota, we have Gathering of Minnesota Painters. We're gomp. Get gomped, as Jason Paris says. We're the gompers. Um, there is already a Gathering of Ohio Painters. So Jesse Allen, Hammer Temple. There is already a goop 
the Gathering of Ohio painters, they took that one first. So you're going to have to uh, possibly do the GORP, the Gathering of Oregon painters, give or take like that. So, uh, but you'll, you'll find your way. Uh, there's other groups out there and we're happy to help you. Even if we just help you come up with a name, it'd be great. But we're having such, such a great um, time with that. Uh, the, we found that the culture of our group in Minnesota and the other ones is really amazing. And we actually refer work to one another. I actually, Jesse Allen, you just mentioned, I just sent, there was a contractor looking for somebody in Northern Minnesota. And I actually mentioned Jesse's name in there. Cause I know he's up in that region. And, uh, Ryan Turry from Headwaters, uh, uh, referred me to a crazy historic restoration in the cities. And it is a wonderful, wonderful group. I actually just sold uh, one of my sprayers to somebody who came down today to pick it up out of that group. So, um, long way around to saying there's new stuff happening out there. There's a new breed of contractor out there, young, old men, women, everything. And, uh, it's really fun to be part of the trades right now. And there's people getting together all over the country. And, uh, when you get together with your fellow craftspeople, uh, the new breed doesn't see that as competition. They see this as a big sharing. And, uh, when we get together, God, it just, it's such a great feeling. And you meet so many other thoughtful master craftspeople, paint business entrepreneurs, and whether you want to grow a crazy, huge business like Jason, whether you want to be a single person painter, we're all there for you. And it's a beautiful thing to be a part of. So, all right, everybody, you take care of your businesses, take care of your families. And uh, I appreciate you watching. Final favor, share the show. Just hit share, get it out there. Love you guys watching. Do a kind thing, share it, get some other people like you watching it. So, all right, everybody, have a good rest of the week. Painted podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and is made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPaintEd.org.